Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 I feel highly delighted to be in the house of God this evening. There are many that would have loved to be here, but for various reasons, they are not. So for me, it is a privilege, and indeed a real privilege. I have been looking forward to coming to this particular church. I have heard nothing but good things about your pastor, his love and his passion for souls. And I was glad yesterday when I arrived here and met him with his wife. And I want to say thank you for being welcome and being given a place to stay for a few days I've been hoping from one place to another to another but here I have a place to stay for a few days and I feel at home and, um, and I'm glad that I'm among God's people I have had an opportunity to interact and uh, fellowship with the man of God, your good pastor. And um, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that God has blessed this church with a great man to be your pastor. It's always important to appreciate men that God has put in our lives to guide us and direct us and help us as we move on on this path that we are walking on till we get to that city which the builder is God himself. God bless you. You may be seated. As the man of God said, I come from the country of Kenya. Kenya is on the east coast of the Indian Ocean. As you, if you are familiar with the map of the continent of Africa, at the horn on the eastern side, you'll see a country, Kenya, the coastal city of our country is called Mombasa. It is a, a tourist attraction. People come to our beaches from all over the world. And um, Kenya is a neighbor to several countries. We are neighbors on the north of our country. We have Somalia, which is a very unruly country, has not had proper government for many years. Then we have Ethiopia, we have Sudan, 
we have Uganda, Tanzania. These are our neighbors. I was born not very far from Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is perhaps the second largest fresh water lake in the world. Around 1972, my uncle, who was a denominal pastor, pastoring a Pentecostal church, came in contact with a, a man of God who had gotten the revelation of the name of Jesus' baptism. My uncle was baptized in Jesus' name. And in 1973, my uncle brought that witness to me. And I was baptized in Jesus' name in Lake Victoria. A few years later, I felt the call of God upon my life. I went to Bible school as I assisted my uncle. My uncle has since then gone to be with the Lord but the truth in my country is still going on. Amen. Kenya is a country that is composed of many, many ethnic groups. It is a country that has various tribes. We have 42 different tribes in Kenya. Each tribe speaks their own distinct language. It's not just a tribal dialect, it is a completely distinct, different language. We speak one national language which is called Kiswahili. Swahili is spoken in many countries of East Africa, mainly Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Burundi, Congo, a bit of Mozambique, Central Africa. We have a few communities there that speak Swahili. We have a few people in Zambia that speak Swahili. And, um, and so it, it is a language that is spoken by many, many uh, African countries. The size of my country is about 260,000 square miles, perhaps almost the size of the state of Texas in this country. The population of Kenya is 40 million people. I live and pastor a church in Nairobi City, which is the capital of Kenya. If you came to Nairobi and landed in the central business area, there will be no difference between Nairobi and some of these modern cities that you see here in your country. However, there are certain parts of our city that um, are not as good as your cities here. When you go to residential areas, we have uh, very nice posh homes for the elite or for the wealthy which is a very small percentage. Majority of the people live in slums. And when I say slum, I mean maybe a 10 by 10 room, 
mud wall, mud floor, tin roof, no proper sanitation, no electricity, no drainage. It's a, a site that when you go to the slum and you come out, you feel depressed. You feel saddened. It's not because we cannot have a better way of people living. It's because of poor management of our resources by those who are entrusted with the leadership of our country. We are very optimistic. We are trusting that God is going to help our country to improve the quality of life for her citizens. Kenyans embrace education and as a result many of them are being enlightened on their rights. Hence they are putting the government on its toes to perform and to account to the people that voted for them. We are hoping that that momentum will not be let down until the government relents. As a church, we have over 203 churches in Kenya. I mean apostolic churches. The church that I'm currently pastoring is relatively new or young. I moved and started a new about three and a half years ago. The church that I previously pastored, I left it over to my assistant pastor. The reason I moved is because we needed a place where we could build our headquarters church. And so we found a land that was across the city, about 25 kilometers from where I previously pastored. Our people could not manage to come there because of transportation hitches. So I moved with my wife, my three children. We started with the help of God. I am glad that God is still God. And God is still on the throne. And God is still saving those who are hungry for him. In that in three and a half years, we have seen over 100 people baptized in the only name, Jesus Christ. We have seen many of them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I'm married to only one wife. And when I say to only one wife, you probably would need to understand the background of our society is such that polygamy is an accepted norm. And um, uh, so the, the, the so-called denominal churches, they don't view polygamy as anything to worry about. They even have ministers who are polygamists. But the apostolic church, we preach there is one God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, and one wife. <laughs> Amen. So God has given me a, a wonderful lady. 
I wish she could be with me on this journey, but um, it's not always possible to travel, both of us. And sometimes these trips are taxing to the body. The lady is not able to keep up with the pace. However, she's sent her special greetings. I just spoke to her before I came to the service this evening. And um, they are praying for us. God's given me three children. Um, I have a son, 29 years old. Not married yet. Um, uh, in my country, um, you cannot marry until you are able to take care of yourself and take care of your wife. And in order for them to do that, my son had to go to school. Uh, and he's just about to finish his professional training. He's done his two degrees, his undergraduate and his master's, and he's completing to do his uh, professional training. And it's only after that that he can now get a job and marry because we pay dowry. You have to pay dowry for the wife that you want to marry. So for him to be 29 is not news. He is definitely will marry some days, the Lord willing. I have two girls, 23. She's um, also still at home. She's just enrolled to start her master's in university. And we have our last one, a baby. She's 18 years. She graduated from high school last year, and she's enrolling to start doing her training the university in the school of medicine what she wants to study so god has blessed me with wonderful children and they all love the lord and they are born again and they are in the church amen amen god is wonderful that he has done great things for us i have a few pictures that i thought maybe i could just introduce you to what we are doing in my country, uh, if my brother would. This is our church that we've just completed constructing. This is where I moved, uh, and this is going to serve as our headquarters church. We already have services on this property. There is a building that you, you can't see on the other side, it's a temporary building. We are using it for church services. We are yet to officially start worshiping in this building. We, we are now in the process of furnishing it so that we have the building furnished to be ready for church services. When it is done and everything is ready, we can sit our style up to a thousand people inside this building. To God be the glory. It's another one. This is inside the temporary building that we are using as of now. The top picture. This was last year, uh, August, uh, during our ministerial conference. And um, on Sunday, we always invite other people to come. Uh, the, so the top picture is inside the sanctuary. The next picture, that is on a Sunday, the sanctuary was full. 
And so we had to improvise a tent. So the people sit next, they are sitting outside the building as they listen to the preaching of the word of God. The third picture, that is a group of choir that my wife leads. My wife, she's, she helps me a great deal with music in the church. And so that is a choir. They, they normally wear different uniforms as they sing. On my left, just the ladies in black and red, my wife is the third person from my right, next to the lady holding the small girl in front of her. The other picture there, those are ministers praying at the altar. And we had a tremendous meeting on this particular day. We baptized over 36 people, I believe, in the name of Jesus Christ, and several received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We give God the glory. Amen. In December 2012, we went to Western Kenya, and this is one of our churches in a rural village. Uh, and we had a young people's conference there. Now, on the last day of the conference, other people were welcome to attend. And this church can seat about 80 people. But we put in over 250 people inside. And the rare of it, there were several people who sat out. And even in front, there were also other people who sat outside to listen to the preaching. We had approximately 350 people on that day for this young people's conference. Thank you. This is, this picture was taken in 2011. This is a ministerial conference. Uh, when we have a pastor's conference, not all of them are able to attend because of transportation hitches. But on this day, we had over 100 preachers who came to this meeting. They are not all captured in the picture, but as you can see, those are pastors. And uh, down here, from left in front, is me. And the other men, these are our board members who work with me. These are presbyters who are in charge of 30, some 20, some 15, some 40 churches. They cover a large area of our country. This is part of the work that we are doing on our headquarters church. We construct these pews by ourselves. These pews are constructed out of mahogany tree or mahogany timber. And um, they are strong. And uh, if we were to buy them, we would not afford. But our people are willing to come. We buy the material and they are helping to construct them. And once we have enough of them, we'll be able to start worshiping from this main sanctuary. Amen. This is not very far from Uganda, Kenya border. We were there not long ago. And we had a leadership, a leadership seminar. On the last day, we had several other people to attend. We had several who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
In fact, we were there with Elder David Smith in that meeting. On the last day of the meeting, there were three pastors who had just come from a Trinitarian church who had been invited. And one of them asked me, Pastor, may I say something? I said, well, you're welcome. And he said, I have preached to people, I have taught them, but I did not know that I was not teaching them the truth. But in this meeting, I've got a revelation of water baptism in Jesus' name. I need to be baptized tomorrow, and after this meeting, I'm going to teach my people. And we baptized him in the morning. The following day, he went. And after a week, our leader who is in that area, the brother who is playing the drum up there, called me and said, could you assist me with the transport? I want to go to visit these people. He went there and baptized the whole congregation in Jesus' name. So God is doing a work in Africa, and we just want to say thank you to the church in America which has given us immense support to be able to reach these people. God alone will reward you. Thank you. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Hallelujah. I feel this evening just to share with the church what is on my heart. I prayed, I asked the Lord, I want to be a small blessing to the people of God. And I believe that God will help us to be able to share with you what he has given us. Perhaps it would be better that you know that the work we are doing is not only confined in Kenya. But we have churches, 27 churches in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We have 10 churches in the country of Uganda. We have two churches in the country of Rwanda. We have one church in Burundi. And currently, I have a young man out of my church that is in southern Sudan. And we are hoping, with the help of God, we will be able to plant a church in southern Sudan. I believe that Africa must hear this truth. If you will, we'll read from the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter number 14. The book of Exodus chapter number 14. I'd like to read from verse number 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and then come before P. Hahiroth between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal Ziphon, before it shall before it shall he encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, 
They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I'll be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them for all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea besides Pihahiroth before baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were so afraid. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord and said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to cut us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will shew to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall hold your peace. And I would like to, just for the next few minutes, address a topic on there is hope. There is hope. Shall we give God the glory for his word? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, have your way, Jehovah God. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. you may be seated. The story of Israel getting to Egypt. I believe for anyone that has been to a Sunday school that the Bible is taught ought to be familiar with how Israel ended up in Egypt. We know what transpired in the house of Jacob and how Jacob's sons betrayed their brother and sold him to the Ishmaelites. And how the Ishmaelites ended up selling Joseph to the Egyptians. And how Joseph 
suffered in the home of Potiphar and how Joseph ended up in, in prison. And we know how God's hand was upon him even when he was undergoing immense trial. God will always stand with his child even when they go through a trial. And so Joseph became the second in command in Egypt by the divine order of God. And then time came that Joseph died and the Israelites had grown in number. And the Bible says there arose another Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. That Pharaoh may have known Joseph historically, but did not care about the Jews or the Hebrews. The Bible says when this young boy Moses was born, that Pharaoh passed a decree and said he wants all the male kids that are born below three months to be killed. And God's hand was upon Moses. And the Bible tells me that the mother of Moses could not allow Moses to be killed, could not allow to see her handsome young baby boy being butchered by an evil pharaoh of Egypt. So the mother took the boy and made a little ark and put the boy in a river and strategically positioned the sister Miriam to see what will become of the boy. But the hand of God was upon Moses again. And the Bible says Pharaoh's daughter came to the river with their servants and, or their handmaids. And, and when they came to the river, they found this young boy in a basket in the river and she took the boy and we know how this boy because of the intervention of Miriam the sister how the boy ended up back again being cared for by the mother then the story goes on until Moses was big enough to be given over to Pharaoh's daughter and big enough to, to live on his own in the king's palace. But there was something that the mother planted into this young man as she was raising the boy. She told the boy that even though you are living in the king's palace, you do not belong to the king. He, she told the boy that the gods that these people worship is not the same with the God that we worship. She gave him the teaching of one God message. She told Moses, hear O Israel is the command that God has given to us. That we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. She told Moses, don't forget that you are not an Egyptian. You are in Egypt, but you don't belong to this place. Thank God we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Thank God we are in this world, but we don't serve the gods of this world. Our God and the God of this world is different. Thank God we do not talk, we do not behave, we do not act like the world. We are in the world, but we behave differently. We talk differently. We act differently because we belong to a different God. Thank God for the truth that God has given to us. Thank God for the revelation that Jesus has given to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And so the children of Israel all through this episode and all through these challenges, they are in a strange land where they are being abused. They are in a strange land where they are being misused. They are in a strange land where they are being mistreated. They are servants to the Egyptians. They are abused and insulted even as they labored for the Egyptians. But deep in their heart there was a cry. God Get us out of this place. God, deliver us from this bondage. Deliver us from the powers of the darkness of the Egyptians. And God heard their prayer. And God had strategically removed Moses from Egypt to the Median desert back there. When, when, when there was an encounter and of an Egyptian trying to, to, to fight with a, with a Hebrew young man, Moses stepped in and slew that Egyptian and buried him. And when the two Hebrew young men were quarreling, Moses stepped in and said, why dare you fight one another? And then they said, so you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian the other day. Moses ran for his life but it was purely divinely ordained because later on we read that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure in the king's palace which is but for a season. And so we see the children of Israel Day after day as they labored in Egypt. Day after day as they were insulted. Day after day as they worked, as they worked in, in the fields, as, as they prepared the bricks and as they, their toes are cut with nails, pricking them and all kinds of pain and suffering and being scorched by the hot sun in the desert. No one cared about them, but there was a God above them who cared about these people. And so Moses comes to Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh, God has sent me to tell you, let my people go. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. He would not let these people leave his land. But God had ordained a way and a means that the children of Israel must leave. Now I want to tell somebody tonight, you may be in a land that is similar or in a situation that is similar to the land of Egypt. You may be undergoing challenges. You may be undergoing some difficult moments in your life. But even as there was hope for the Egyptians, so there is hope for you tonight. Because we serve a God who makes a way where there is no way. We serve a God who opens a door where there is no door. We serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we think or ask, according to the power that worketh in us. We serve a God who is a mighty God. We serve a God who never fails. We serve a God who is on the winning side all the time. Our God has never lost a battle. Our God has never lost a war. Our God is a winner. 
And my Bible tells me, if God be for you, who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror. Because of that, we have hope. But in whatever situation we go through, God's going to see us through. Whatever challenges you are encountering, God will see you through. So remember, there's still hope. There is hope. And that ought to overjoy your heart. Your heart ought to rejoice even when you feel that you are entangled by the enemy. Even when you feel like there's a spirit of the Egyptians binding you. You still have to rejoice because there's still hope. send me to tell you Mr. Pharaoh let God's people go let them leave this land of bondage and that same message has been given to the church the people outside the walls of this church they are like people serving the Pharaoh of Egypt and the church has a message of hope we've got to go out there and tell Pharaoh let the people of God go Let the people go. There are some that are under the bondage of alcohol. They spend their money on alcohol. There are some that are under the bondage of drugs. They spend their resources on drugs. But you have been given a message of reconciliation. You have been given the gospel, which is a powerful gospel that has the power to set the bound free. You have a gospel that has the power to deliver every bound person. You have the gospel that has the power to save, to change, to heal, to redeem. And our God is able. There's still hope. There's still hope. Holy Moshataya. Hallelujah to God. Be seated, be seated. So Moses tells Pharaoh, God has sent me to tell you to let my people go. But the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh will not let the people go easily. May I submit to us tonight, the devil does not let people easily. The devil will hang on. And the Bible says God began to do great things in front of the eyes of Pharaoh. Pharaoh began to undergo plague after plague, plague after plague, plague after plague. And at the end of it, Pharaoh still hardened his heart. And finally, the last plague was the, the death of the firstborns of all the Egyptians. But thanks be to God, God told Moses, go slay a lamb and paint the blood on the doorposts of the, of the Israelites. And when the angel of death shall come, he shall pass over the doors of the, of the Israelites. But he will slay every first male born of the Egyptians. Thank God for the power of the blood of the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth. When we are under the power of the blood of Jesus, the devil can do us no harm. Don't be afraid. Fear not what the devil can do because you are covered by the power of the blood of the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. 
Finally, Pharaoh said, now they can go. This is too much that we can bear. Can I tell you the devil needs an exerted pressure. When you are a soul winner, don't give up. Just keep on doing it. Keep on going and knocking the door. Keep on going and telling them that Jesus is a savior. Keep on going and telling them that our gospel is real. Keep on telling them that there is only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. Keep on going and telling them, hear all Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Keep on telling them that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega. Keep on telling them that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth keep on telling them that his name is Emmanuel God with us keep on telling them that he is the Father he is the Son and he is the Holy Ghost exact the pressure keep on telling them that neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved keep on telling them that he was given a name that is above every name and at that name every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord Keep the pressure on. Keep the pressure on. Until the devil succumbs. He will not give easily. Never. He will never let go of his captives easily. We've got to determine. It is a fight to the end. But we have the final blow. Because the one we have conquered him. When he said, look here it is I. I was dead but now I'm alive. And I'm alive forevermore. And I've taken the keys of death and hell in my hands. Hallelujah. The devil does not even own the keys to his own house. It was taken away from him. When Jesus went to the headers and preached to the captives in hell. And set them loose. And he came out with power and victory. Hallelujah. We are serving a God who is not in the grave. We are serving a God we is alive that's why we feel him in our feet we feel him over us the power of the Holy Ghost is in the house and my God is not dead my God is alive he said behold I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy we are power in God power in God Fear not. But don't ever forget, be seated, that the devil will give up easily. So the children of Israel have packed their luggages. They are on their way to the promised land. God has done all the tremendous works. But as they leave, Pharaoh regrets. And he says, we have made a terrible mistake. We have blundered. We have erred. By allowing these people to leave. 
And he organizes his army, packs their things on their chariots to pursue the children of Israel. And as the children of Israel approaches an obstacle that looks to be impossible to cross, the Red Sea, they look behind and they see the army of Pharaoh pursuing them. That's the place that some people could be even tonight. When you look where you are going, it looks like it's darkness. It looks every door is closed. It looks every avenue has been sealed and there's no way through. You look behind you and it seems like your past is pursuing you. The things that you did in this world of bondage, they seem to be rolling behind you. And you feel like you have come to the end. And you are asking yourself, why did I even choose to pursue the way of God? Why did I even choose to leave the world? And so they looked at Moses and they began to complain. They began to say, Moses, why did you even take us out of Egypt? Why there are no graves in Egypt that you should have left us there to die. Die as servants and slaves to these people. Why have you brought us here in the wilderness to die in the wilderness? But I want you to hear the words of Moses. Moses tells these people, look, look here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that God who has brought you out of Egypt... He is able to make a way and make sure that you enter into the promised land. Don't look at the Egyptians that are pursuing you. Don't let your past become an obstacle to cause you to move forward. You just keep on going forward. Don't look backwards, but you just keep on moving forward. For these Egyptians that are pursuing you, hallelujah, you shall see them no more. I want to tell somebody here that is being pursued by the past enemies, that is being pursued by the past sins, that is being pursued by your past failures, that don't look at those things, they will not harm you. You look your eyes unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is able to keep that which has begun in you and bring you all the way up to the promised land. Don't look at what the Egyptians are going to do because these Egyptians they are going to perish today they shall be no more and God began to open a way in the sea and God opened a way a road in the sea he rolled the waters one side and another side and created a way where there had been no way and the children of Israel walked between the walls of the water and they went on the other side of the sea and the armies of Pharaoh they were in the middle of the sea as the children of Israel began to celebrate their victory glory to God and God 
brought the waters together and that which seemed like a threat to the children of Israel was no more a threat. Can I tell you, as God said, they shall be no more because there is still hope. Hallelujah. I'm telling somebody today that is being pursued with strange sicknesses. I'm talking to somebody today that is being pursued with marital issues. I'm talking to somebody today that is being pursued by spirits of discouragement. I'm talking to somebody today that is being pursued by generational curses. But those things have no power because you have hope. There's still hope. Rejoice in the Lord, for there's still hope. Rejoice in the Lord, for there's still hope. Oh, when the devil says, you are finished. Hope says, I'm not finished. When the devil says, you are down. Hope says, I am up. When the devil says, shut up. Hope says, hallelujah. When the devil says, shut up. Hope says, hallelujah. When the devil says, sit down. Hope stands up. There's still hope. The church of the living God is not going down because this church is built upon a rock of the revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus said, upon that revelation, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The church is not going down. The church is going up. The church is going up. The gates of hell challenges of the enemy, the pressure of the society, the sinful condition of the world have no power over the church because the church is built on a foundation that is unshakable, unmovable, stable. And the church has a hope. When they laugh and say, you're not growing, you look at them and tell them, there's still hope. When some people come around and they run out and you feel discouraged, don't be discouraged. Rejoice because there's still hope. I said there is hope. There is hope. Holomoko shataya. You may have a condition that may have lasted for a long period of time. And the enemy would like to use that condition to beat you down, to discourage you. But I stand here tonight and declare that the name of the Lord is a strong power. And the righteous runneth into it and they are safe. I'm here to declare tonight, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort you. I am here tonight to declare that weeping may endure for night. But in the morning joy cometh. I'm here to announce tonight that even though you go through the valley of the floods, you shall not drown. Even if you go through the flames of fire, they shall not kindle you because you are not living alone. You have hope. You have hope in the God who conquered death and conquered hell and conquered sin and came out a winner. And because 
he won, we shall win. Because he conquered, we shall conquer. We are more than conquerors. Through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. There is hope. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Oh God. When we moved, be seated. When we moved to our new site, when we moved there, didn't have any money, didn't know where to turn to, but we knew there's a great God. The first six months of our being there, I was preaching, and the only person saying amen was my wife and my two daughters. Just a handful of people. After five months, my wife, one day we came from church. I found her kneeling beside the bed after we just come from church. She was praying, praying with an immense agony, pressure, groaning. And I just went there, laid my hand, and prayed on her. And after the prayer, I said, are you having some problem? She said, are you sure that at this age, you made the right decision to come and start afresh? I said, it's not my decision. God compelled me to do it. She said, for six months now, you've been preaching. It seems like no one even comes to the altar. I said, there is hope. There is hope. That coming Sunday, a man who was working in a casino, separated from his wife, the wife also working in a casino, fighting and fighting, they could not live together. They have two kids, a boy and a girl, came to the church. While I was preaching, the man was crying the whole time. Before I could even call an altar, the man was at the altar. Hope was working. He didn't receive the Holy Ghost, but he really repented. And I baptized him. And I told him, I believe God would want to fill with the Holy Ghost, but you have to reconcile first with your wife and ask some forgiveness. He said, but she will not talk to me. I said, you give me her phone, I'll call her. Could you meet me in my office? So they came to see me in my office. I talked to the lady. She explained her conditions, her circumstances. I also listened to his story. And I told them there is nothing big between the two of you that would warrant you going apart. Forgive one another and come to church on Sunday. The lady said, I'll leave from where I stay to come to church. She came to church on Sunday. While I was preaching, I could see the lady crying throughout the service. At the end of the service, I talked to them. I told them there is need for them to reconcile and go back together as a husband and a wife. They forgave each other. We prayed. They held hands. They went back to their house. The lady never had a skirt in her wardrobe. 
everything she wore was a slack trousers, a suit. I did not say anything. They came back the following Sunday. While I was preaching, the lady stood back there, lifted up her hands and received the Holy Ghost. We baptize her in Jesus' name. The husband later on received the Holy Ghost. They are today strong, living for God. I stand here to declare there is hope in whatever circumstance. There's hope even when the pressure is on. There's hope even when it looks like everything around is dark. Jesus Christ is the hope of the believers. And my Bible tells me, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Fear not for the enemies of Pharaoh. You shall see them no more. Whatever is pursuing you, they will not come. Whatever is pursuing you, you shall see them no more. Fear not. Have hope. Have hope. The lady with the issue of blood in the book, she had exhausted everything within her reach. She became an isolated person socially. Financially, she was depleted. She Lost almost everything she had. But there was one thing that she hung on. It was hope. She kept on hoping. That if I can only touch. The hem of his garment. You see faith was born out of hope. I'm sick. I've spent everything. I've lost everything I've held. But I still have hope that one day I shall get better. One day things will be alright. And Jesus is in the city. And here is a weak lady but with hope. She said, I will push and push until I touch the hem of his garment. And so Jesus is being pressed on with the multitude. But there's a lady that has hope. And that hope rejuvenated her. And that hope motivated her. And that hope propelled her. Until she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus stopped. Can I tell us tonight, hope will never let us down. Hope will never fail us. Things may be hard, but I have hope. Things may look dark, but I have hope. Things may be difficult, but I have hope. I may be not be winning today, but I have hope that I shall be a winner. I have hope that I will be a conqueror. I have hope that God will help me and see me through. Jesus stopped and said, somebody has touched me. 
see what the devil would like to do and what he does to people is to cause them lose hope. These ladies that are abusing themselves on the street is because they have lost hope. And when they lose hope, they lose self-esteem. Some have lost hope and they end up in drugs. And the drugs messes them even the more. Some have lost hope. They end up committing suicide. But I am determined that if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm determined that I'll hang on my hope. When everything else is falling apart, I still have hope. When no one is standing by me, I have hope. When no one is saying hallelujah, I have hope. When no one is praising God, I have hope. When I am hungry, I have hope. When I have no money in my pocket, I still hope that things are going to be better. That's why we sing in my country, things are getting better. When Jesus comes on the scene, things are getting better. I'm telling you, hope sees a door where there's no door. Hope sees a way where there's no way. Hope sees light in the midst of darkness. Hang on your hope. For the Egyptians that are pursuing you, they shall be no more. The only hope a sinner has, the only hope a sinner has, is in the book of Acts 2.38. Repent. Be baptized each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If I was in this building tonight and I know I have not repented, I would want to make it right. I would want to make it right with God because my hope is only in Jesus. And the way to come into Jesus is via repentance, via baptism in Jesus' name, and by receiving the Holy Ghost and living a separated holy life. The only hope is Jesus. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. He said, I'm come that you might have life and have it even more abundantly. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. If I was here and I'm not baptized in Jesus' name, water is right there. What am I waiting? And the man of God is here to baptize me. If I am here and I don't have the Holy Ghost, my hope is in Jesus. I lift up my hands and say, God, forgive my sins and fill me the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to go to heaven. I am tired of this world. There's no hope in the world. The world is full of hopelessness. But in Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, there is hope. Those who put their hope in education, education has failed them. Those who put
put their hope in material gains of this world. They have smitten themselves with much sorrow. Those who put their hope in money, money has let them down. But those who put their hope in Jesus Christ will never regret. I have no regrets to make because I know if I leave this body, yet shall I live again. And so you are here tonight. You're going through something and you feel a hopelessness hanging on you. You can renew your hope. You can strengthen your hope. You feel that there are things pursuing you. You can turn around and see them as they drown in the sea as God gives you the victory. But somebody has to take a move. Somebody has to step forward. Somebody has to sing a song of victory. Somebody has to ashamed the devil. Somebody to say, God, I'm not going to live a hopeless life because you are my hope. I'm not going to live beaten down, discouraged because I have hope. I will smile. I will rejoice because I have hope. Not only hope in this life, but I have hope in the life to come. I have hope that even if I die, yet shall I live again. These altars are open. Would you just move to this altar and say, Lord God, I pray that you touch me tonight. Renew my hope. Make a move quickly. Come, just come, just come, just come. Yes, just come. I have hope. I have hope. Jesus, I pray tonight that the Holy Ghost will move upon somebody in this building. Holy Ghost will touch somebody here tonight. Spirit of God, move and create a deep conviction into a heart of an individual that they will see the joy of the Lord which is our strength. The hope will be rejoiced.